Welcome to Chef's Table. I'm Jim Coleman. With every food we eat, there are choices. But some are made for us long before the consumer gets in the picture. Michael Pollan tackles the question, the omnivore's dilemma, in his book. He examined four of his meals, fast food, industrial organic, local production, and one he hunted himself. Along the way came some surprises. I was kind of taking apart a McDonald's meal and trying to figure out where the heck did all that stuff come from. And whenever I started following that food back to its origin, I kept finding myself in the exact same place, which is to say a corn and soybean field in the American Midwest, specifically in Iowa. A remarkable percentage of, the, of, of what we're eating industrially starts out with corn and to a lesser extent soybeans that have been basically uh, rearranged into uh, different compounds to create everything from the high fructose corn syrup that sweetens the soda to the, um, to the meat, the protein in the meat because we feed all the animals corn, to the additives in the chicken nugget that, that bind the thing together, uh, to the oils in which we fry our french fries. You know, most of what we eat is carbon. We are the carbon life form, as uh, Dr. Spock said on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So where does that carbon come from? Well, in the case of industrial food, most of it comes from this remarkable, ingenious, uh, prodigious plant, uh, ZMAs, the giant tropical grass we call corn. Talk about C4, what, how it's different than, say, green beans are. Well, corn is a very special plant. It is a C4 plant. Most plants are C3 plants. And that four really refers to how many carbon atoms it can uh, join together in a, in a compound every time it engages in photosynthesis. It's more efficient. Where most plants would grab three at a time, corn goes out there and grabs four from the air, making, uh, you know, basically making more car carbohydrate per unit. But this, this little trick it has, the C4 trick, also allows us to trace the corn through the food system. And this was also a big surprise to me, that if you look at, say, a Coca-Cola and you actually run it through a mass spectrometer, it can tell you since C4 is slightly uh, heavier than C3 carbon, what the carbon you're getting in that Coca-Cola, where it started out, and that it started out in a cornfield. Take it to the next step that carbon's identity is preserved even as the food is processed, fed to animals, and then fed to us, so that you could take a slip of your hair or a fingernail, run it through the same machine, the mass spectrometer, and it will tell you how much of the carbon you are came from a corn plant. We look like corn chips on two legs. Uh, <laughs> We are, we are, in fact, the corniest people on earth. Uh, more of our carbon comes from corn than anybody else. And that includes the Mexicans who, if you ask them, will tell you they're the people of corn. They don't know the half of it. When did this surplus really happen? I mean, when did, when did we start? Was this before the uh, American Revolutionary era? When was this? Well, corn, yeah, corn was vital, you know, very soon after uh, we came here. But it really took off shortly after the revolution when settlers were crossing the Appalachians and settling in the Ohio River Valley. With more corn being produced than there were people to eat it, because it was still very uh, sparsely settled, and it not being economical to, to carry corn over the mountains, because it's bulky and fairly heavy, um, the, the farmers of uh, the Midwest said, hey, we're going to turn it into some... Uh, portable, durable, value-added commodity. And that turned out to be two things. Ham, they would feed it to their pigs and turn it into hams, which could be smoked and moved around. And even more important, they would turn it into corn liquor. And we had a, uh, a public health crisis in the 1810s to 1820 or so that rivals the public health crisis.